I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. A couple tough shows here on After the Whistle. We've been, been, well, I mean, I was extremely critical the other day, Craig. Yeah. Welcome everybody back in. Episode 34, I almost forgot. Yeah, we're, we're moving and grooving with these uh, episodes. Just crushing it. Just yeah. crushing it. Um, Enjoying it, too. Enjoying it. Getting great feedback. Uh, obviously, we have a, a big saber following from our years, obviously, playing here. But then not only that, you know, doing the live shows here. Um, so, I mean, a lot of people, a lot of people tune into what we have to say. And uh, a lot of people. Can listen- I add something before you go there? Yeah, a lot of Can people listened to our last episode that was very critical. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, what I do want to say is this: um, there's a lot of people that are that are uh, tweeting our account, and uh, know this that um, we're reading all of them. And I'm going to tell you what I like about this is there's there's a lot of people that are really liking what they're what we're talking about and the directions that we go and the honesty that we put into uh what we talk about but there's also people that are giving us constructive criticism and i don't take it as people are hating on us and this and that um they're giving us their thoughts and their opinions and uh well you have your assholes that are just assholes and they're going to always be that way but then you have people that are critical toward our thoughts, but they're respectful. At least, you know, there's, yes. there's a difference. And I, I'm always open, like you said, to, to the constructive criticism or, or I guess, you know, difference of opinion Yeah. with, as they say in slab shot, you know, within the boundaries of good taste. Right. So yeah. Yeah. But keep going. Yeah. I, you know what? I just want to let them know that we are reading all of your stuff. We may not be getting back to every single person. There's a lot of people. There's actually a lot of feedback that, um, that people give us uh, with, with the episodes. And uh, it just goes to show that people are, are entertained and they're enjoying and they want more. And just know that um, when you do write something in, we are reading every single one of them. And, uh, and we talk about a lot in, of them and we're going to try and make this better. We're gonna and we talk and about a lot of them even off the air. Right. I mean, that's, that's, that's one right. of the things we, you know, we do is we talk about, Hey, did you see what this person said or that person said? And, yeah. um, no, it, it, it is. And it, it's, you know, and 
The one thing I'll say, and again, like it, it always sounds like we're, we're kissing. I turn your gain up just a little bit though. There, big boy. Um, there's one thing, there's one thing that I will say, and, and, you know, someone, I'll, I'll just get to this here quickly before we get into last night's game against Nashville. This will definitely be probably a more positive view on the team. Um, but you know, I, I didn't, someone tweeted something at, uh, at me today, or maybe it was earlier this morning. Um, I, you know, I hate to do this and drag and, you know, delay, 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 but, um, uh, Tell me when you want me to just move on. Uh, you're killing it here. No, killing the I'm, vibe right now. Yeah. I don't know where you're going with this. I just, I okay. I no, here it is. Steven, people. Steven tweeted this morning. I had to go through buddy. That just goes to show you how many mentions I'm getting. You know, it's not even about the fact that he says he starts off his tweet and says, I love Andrew Peters, you know, and I really appreciate that. And he says, and how he covers, uh, the Sabres, you can tell he genuinely cares, but also holds people accountable. That was based probably off of my tweet last night about uh, Aaron Dell starting and just how I hope that he has a great game because, you know, he deserves, we all deserve to be put in our place and, and be shut up from time to time when we're too harsh uh, when it comes to criticism. But it's, to me, it's, it's, it's not necessarily it's more about the fans for me. I understand these fans and I know you do too, but I'm, I'm speaking for me here. I understand this fan base. I love this fan base. And I, again, I'm not kissing ass here. I'm just being honest. This is the fan base that, that accepted me, took me in after Rob Ray left and, and you have to come in and fill those shoes. And, you know, it's like, and we were a great team here. We were a great team here for a few years. And, you know, I, I just sit and I, 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 when I say I hurt for the fans, I don't necessarily like, I'm like hurt for the fans, like weep, but I, I sense their frustration. I sense their disgust at times. I sense their knowledge, their passion, their desire to have to have a team on the ice that maybe doesn't necessarily win every night. I think this is a very smart fan base. I think you can't fool Buffalo fans, whether it's football, hockey, when it comes to work ethic, you can't, they are Absolutely. not stupid. You cannot pull the wool over their eyes and say, and, and, and try to bluff. You can't bluff these fans. And that's just where I'm at. I mean, I, I guess I just, that's, that's where I speak from more now than I have in the past, but definitely more now that, you know, we're kind of free to say whatever we want, I guess. Yeah. You know, listen, I mean, um, three games ago, I, I tweeted something out. It was like, uh, they've played how many games this year? 36, I think it is somewhere around there. 36 games. I have, I've been very quiet. I've been very quiet. I've, I've kept my comments to myself because I know where the team is at. I know that they have a lot of youth in this lineup. I know they're bringing players, uh, a few players from the minors, giving some opportunity to get the taste and, and they're doing it right. Kevin Adams and his group is doing this right. They know that it's not just putting guys into the lineup and we're going to be going from last place to, to first place. Mm -hmm. It takes time to 
to have these players understand how to play at the highest level and playing in the National Hockey League, the consistency that you need to have each and every game. But I was very frustrated, very frustrated because like you said, whether you have a team that may not be at the level of the team that you're playing against, that does not mean that you cannot, that you, that you can don't have to work. And I said to you, I, I mean, this is unwatchable. I was very frustrated as a fan watching the game. What I had, what, what I had witnessed was just not acceptable hockey. The fans here in Buffalo are not dumb. They're, they've been patient. Believe me, they've been very, very patient. They're showing right now that they're not happy because there's no one in the stands. There's no one in the stands at the hockey games. Okay. They want to see this team play and get better and show progress. Are they showing progress in some areas? I think they've been hit with uh, the COVID bug here a little bit. Um, There's been key players out of the lineup. There's been major, major blockbuster trades at the start of the years. Um, They are navigating their way through a very turbulent season. Okay. But I'm going to tell you this last game, last game. They beat one of the best teams in the National Hockey League in Nashville. That's surprising to me. Did I think they played their best game? No, I didn't think they played their best game. I don't even think they came close to playing their best game. I think that the Nashville Predators underestimated the Buffalo Sabres. And when you underestimate teams, that's when things bite you in the ass. Okay. Um, I don't think Nashville played their played their best game at all, but it's I great think for the Sabres. It, you know, well, listen, I mean, um, Jeff Skinner is uh, he's got a lot of pressure on him. This man got a lot of pressure on him, but I'll tell you right now, he stepped up and he scored some big goals, two goals in the game, scored a big goal. You know, you can see the difference. Caliposo. What He's a difference coming. a few real players added to back into the lineup can make, it's isn't it? What happens when Kyle Oposo actually is given um, some time to play and not just be on a fourth line penalty kill role, which he's been in for years. He's leading our team right now in points. He's leading the team in points, and he's been out for a couple couple games. Kyle Oposo is playing some good hockey right now. Um, you can see there is a major difference when you have skill in the lineup. Alex Tuck is not like... Uh, any other player that we've seen in a long time, six foot four, he skates exceptionally well. He's, he's very talented. He's very, uh, he's very smart. His hockey IQ, he just creates turnover after turnover. When you actually start to see more of these players in our lineup, what's going to happen when we get Paige Thompson back and put him into the lineup? What's going to happen when Casey Middlestat, who basically has been out all year and he, arguably should be our top player. Well, this was his year to get a shot to be. He, he had an insane ending to this season last year. Yeah. He had an insane ending. He was absolutely without question, the best player. Okay. And he, this was Casey Middlestat's year to have his coming out party. Just like you said, 
But what happens when you add Casey Middlestad into the lineup? Cage Thompson's been out for a little, uh, a few games now. He's had a fantastic season. He's growing as a player. He's still very young. Once you start to add these players into the lineup and you start to have depth and skill and, and playmakers and goal scorers, you're going to start to see a different pace. You're going to start to see the puck movement and puck protection and everything else is going to go to another level. Well, so yesterday we're airing this on Saturday and the Sabres will play Detroit tonight. I mean, it's Friday right now, but we, they play tonight because this will air on Saturday. But last night I did not have much optimism for this team going into that game. And then I, you know, so I tweeted out at 754 It was an eight o'clock puck drop. And I really meant what I said because Aaron Dell has taken a ton of shit this year, ton of shit. And I'll say this, Aaron Dell and, and uh, you know, whoever else was in net, had, you know, I, I took a bunch of overs, you know, a little while back and, and they were hitting every night because they were in the lineup. And I mean, you know, I, but I, I tweeted this out at 754, you know, and I meant what I said. I said, I hope Aaron Dell has a huge game and shuts us all up. We deserve it. And so does he. And by when I said we deserve it, I meant we deserve to have, to, to have our socks shoved down our throat uh, by a great performance by him. So he, you know, he deserves a great performance to shut us all up because, because you know how many people just that you talk to casually about hockey and they're like, Oh, Dell's in tonight team's fucked. And you're like, well, you know what? Well, you know what? Listen, I mean, he's not an NHL goaltender. So let's, let's like, uh, you no, know, no, no. Let's stop. And I under, uh, okay, fine, 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 fine. But, but I think what he's saying, pardon. He he's playing on a team that, that is one of the worst teams in the national hockey league. And he's also not an NHL goaltender. That's not a good recipe at all. He looked like an NHL goalie last night. He looked like an NHL goalie last night. And, you know, was the team that much better in front of him? Yeah. I mean, if you go back from our, to our last two episodes, 33, and then the last time we, we talked about them, and they were, 33 was very critical. We were very critical in the very last episode of, of After the Whistle when, when, uh, you know, they, they lost to Tampa Bay and it wasn't even about, you know, the guys that were out of the lineup with COVID. It was simply just about the lack of passion or what it looked like to be zero desperation, uh, you know, playing a, a, a team like that. So today, obviously going to be a, a much more positive conversation. I think like, I, I would like to see that effort that we got last night or yeah, Thursday night on a more regular basis, Craig, you know what I mean? And I, I don't know. I don't know if they have the, Listen, I'm going to tell you this. I don't think the Sabres, I don't think the Sabres played a great game in Nashville. Did you not notice more? I don't want to say physicality, but did you not notice there, there, there wasn't more physicality because they were, got out, they got out hit 45 to 21. Nashville how many hits did they have there? against Tampa? 12. Remember? Know. They had 12 because okay. I counted them on the air. They had 12. So, I mean, they were, they were, maybe they didn't match. Now, granted, that's a home game. And then who knows if the, the statistician there in Nashville isn't, you know, throwing courtesy hits out there, you know, for little bumps, you know what I mean? That you wouldn't get normally if you're on the road, if you're the visiting team. But I mean, they doubled. You said, how many do they have? 
a lot of people noticed. Like you talk about so listen, our, our one our, hit. One hit was by, by John Hayden. This is our forward line. One hit by John Hayden. Two hits by Cody Eakin. One by Dylan Cousins. One by Gergensen. Guys you expect. Okay. And two hits by, Rasmus, uh, by Alex Tuck. The rest, the entire team did not have a hit on the forward line. Well, that's un- I didn't look at that. That's unacceptable. Darlene had five. Five hits. Rasmus Darlene, our super, our superstar skilled hockey player, had five hits. Maybe we should be listening to Don Granato. Maybe we should be sitting there saying, take your heads out of your goddamn asses because you have literally the most, one of the most skilled young defensemen in the world had five hits today. All right. How'd Victor Olsen do? No, I don't. Again, don't. I'll, I'll shit on his parade until like he takes his head out of his ass. I don't care. You, you know what? I am so tired of the of of having the same guys in the lineup that get the lion's share of ice time, and they don't deserve it. I'm telling you, they don't deserve it. I said this last show. I said uh, Don Granado doesn't shorten the bench. I mean, like short, like as a coach, shouldn't you be playing the guys that are are going on a nightly basis, not just the guys that you are hoping will pull through and at the time when you might need them and they haven't been going. Like you know what he did because you know guys like Alex Tuck, who was going last night, played the most minutes in the forward line, nineteen thirty four. You know who else was going last night? Jeff Skinner. And I'm usually tough on him because I don't like his style of play. But you know what? When he scores goals, he's useful to your team. When he doesn't score goals, then, you know, he, he, he's not he as valuable. To, he's not as valuable because he doesn't do as the, the, the intangibles, the little things. He doesn't do the other things. But I'm going to tell you, when he scores goals, he's, he's a great player to have in your team. And he stepped up last night. Kyla Poso came back. 16 minutes ice time, two assists. It's amazing what happens when you have more skilled players on the ice. You seem to have more time in zone with the puck. You're, you're more dangerous. And I mean, I can only see, I can only think in my mind, I've been frustrated. I think everybody's frustrated. But I just keep thinking to myself, holy jumping, we have Cage Thompson, who's been one of our best players all year. He's out. We have Casey Middlestat, arguably our best offensive player on this team. He's been out all year. How many games he played? Three? Two, two, two or three, three? Two or three? You insert those two guys into the lineup and take out two guys that shouldn't be in the lineup, your team strengthens immediately. You, I, I look at our defense. Our defense is abysmal. It's, a, it's, it's not a good defense core. It's not a good defense core. I, I, no disrespect to them, and obviously, you know, there's no other way to take it but uh, slap in the face. But you know what? They're not. This is not a deep defense core. It's very, very, very average. But... We also have the number one best player in the entire universe not playing in the NHL right now, and we own him. The Buffalo Sabres own him, and that's Owen Power. And he's coming 
very when? soon. Next year, he'll be here. 1,000%. Do you think so? Hundred Guaranteed. Guaranteed. He needed this year. He needed desperately this year. He could play in the National Hockey League this year without question. Without question. The best move that Kevin Adams and, and Owen Power made collectively was to allow this young man to take a step back, go and enjoy that college uh, experience, go and play for Michigan, and go not only in, no, not only be a good player on the team, but take major responsibilities leadership-wise. It's not just about being a good player. It's about learning to be a good leader, learning to um, feel the pressure of being that top guy now. And Owen Power is having a Hobie Baker Award year, and we will be seeing him, his six foot six, 220 pound, 225 pound body here in Buffalo. You know, another guy that we don't talk about. What about Matias Samuelson? A second round draft pick three years ago. He could be playing in the National Hockey League right now. He could be playing for the. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. And that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Buffalo Sabres right now, but they're choosing not to. And you ask yourself, why? Why is he not on this team? He could help our team right now. Because he's better suited to learn and gain confidence and take the necessary steps before he steps in and takes a role in the National Hockey League. You got a taste last year. So I guarantee you, Matias Samuelson does not want to be in Rochester. He does not want to be in the minors. He wants to be here in Buffalo. But he got a taste, and now he's salivating a little bit. Now he wants more. And he's going to work hard, and he's going he's gonna to be here. That's another player. I mean, the amount of players that we have, like Peyton Krebs, Peyton Krebs looked pretty damn good. He looked pretty damn good when he was playing. He's another player. J.J. Paterka, very young guy, 19 years old. He's super young. Jack Quinn, he was leading the league in the American Hockey League before he uh, uh, got mono. There are some beautiful bright lights coming. Again, they have to do it right. You can't bring them all in at once. You have to integrate each and every one of them. But all of those young guys, all of those highly skilled players that, we, that we're going to be bringing in, the Buffalo Sabres fan base is going to be a very, very happy fan base in, in, in short time. But I'm going to tell you this. Kevin Adams cannot drop the ball on going out and getting pieces to the puzzle. Well, let's talk about those pieces. And by the way, I need to just correct us. Casey Middlestad's played four games. But, you know, you talk about drop, not dropping the ball and going out and getting those pieces. Why? Well, I mean, you and I were talking before. We were talking earlier this morning. 
And I think the Sabres, you know, need to go out. And I know, I, I know you agree too. We both feel that with these young guys, so you have, let's look at the forwards, right? So you have uh, Quinn probably in the NHL next year, Krebs in the NHL next year, Paterka possibly in the NHL next year. I could be missing uh, another forward, but I mean, you, you mentioned power and Samuelson. That's very young group. And I went through all the, the free agent defensemen this year. And I think Kevin Adams needs to go out and sign and maybe even overpay and bring in a couple veteran, big physical defensemen, obviously goaltending is an area that you might need to address depending on the health of some of your guys and things like that. And, um, you know, I, you're probably going to have to get goaltending, but I think defense is the focus this off season. I mean, it has to be. Yeah. I mean, listen, I mean, uh, next year's hockey team is going to look completely different. Like I mean, completely different, you know, you're going to have Casey middle stat back as a centerman. You'll have Alex tuck and Jeff Skinner as top line wingers. Now the question is, who's going to play center? Is it Tage Thompson? Or is it Dylan Cousins? Which one of those guys is going to take the center position? Maybe one of them plays center. Maybe one of them plays wing. So now you have a Tage Thompson, let's say, playing center with a Dylan Cousins on right wing. Um, You need to integrate a, a top end, a top end left winger. You have to find it. Is that? Victor Olsen? No. I don't know, but no. they're going the to have, the to, they're gonna have no. to they're going to have to make those decisions, okay? Then you could have a rookie line, a young rookie line. Peyton Krebs, JJ Paterka, and Jack Quinn. It's your all rookie line. They're super insanely highly skilled kids that if they don't have the pressure on them and the top two lines have the pressure, the, the Skinners, the Tucks, the Cousins, the Thompsons, the middle stats, they're older, they're, they're more mature, they've, they've dealt with a lot more now. Those are the guys that are going to take the pressure. The Peyton Krebs and the, and, and the Paterkas and the Quinn are allowed to, to play underneath these players, okay? And, and do what they do best. And then your fourth line, you need to put a, together a fourth line that's, I think, a high-energy line. A line that goes out and they are fast, they're big, they're highly tenacious on the puck, they're hitting everything in sight. It Just say comes, it, they're tough. They're super tough. Like, super you aggressive, highly tough guys. guys but you need tough players, guys that play hard, guys that, you know, you can throw out against any line and they're going to make them pay. You need that line. You have to have it. Every team has it. Yes. You have to have it, you know, and they've got to be highly, highly engaged players. Let me run through some names of defensemen here that, that, uh, do you want all the names? Do you want all the defensemen UFAs or do you want names of guys that I think they should go and get? I would typically want guys that can play the right-hand side. Okay. Because the way I look at it is we, we, I should say we, the Sabres 
as far as I'm concerned, have four locks on defense next year. One is Rasmus Dahlin. Two is Yoki Haru. Three is Owen Power. And four is Matias Samuelson. Matias Samuelson is a left-handed shot defenseman, six foot five, 230. You have Owen Power, who's 6'6", 220 pounds. He's a left-handed shot. You need to go and find two guys, one of them in particular, that's going to play with Owen Power. He needs to be a really solid top four right-handed defenseman. And it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you money. It's going to cost you draft picks, and it's going to cost you, um, you know. Prospects. So you're saying you need to acquire that guy through trade because that guy's not going. The only to way, market. yeah. Okay. The only way because there's there's not a person uh, out there on the market that is going to sign with the Buffalo Sabers. Well, so let me you tell need you, to go out and and acquire him through a trade, um, which I think is 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 the biggest and most important way of doing this. I'll tell you the first guy that I would sign. You can agree or disagree. He's a right-hand shot defenseman. He'll be he's 30 years old. I don't know when he turns 31. And that's Josh Manson. Boom. Done. 100%. I mean, here's I don't care if you have to overpay the- him a million and a half bucks more than what he would get on the market just to get him here because he is exactly exactly what this team needs. Yes, but you, you, you also just need to understand that Josh Manson, um, he, he's put miles on, on that body. He's six foot three. He's 225 pounds. He's a right-handed shot, but he's also had some injuries in the past, uh, uh, you know, few years that kind of have kind of prohibited him from playing his game. But um, this year he's been healthy. He's played all the games this year. Um, He is a very big, strong. He's pretty mobile. He moves the puck. He understands his game. He understands that he is not out there to be putting up big numbers offensively. He's up there to play a defensive brand of hockey. He is going to be a calming influence on a very young player next year, a 20-year-old uh, Owen Power. I would have him play with any, either Erasmus Dahlin or an Owen Power. I got a better one. I went through all these defensemen earlier, and I can't believe I overlooked this guy. First, I'll give you the one that is a tap in that I think we both know. Erica Branson, right hand shot, six foot four. He's a right defense. So Erica Branson is a guy that I would I would have. He would be considered your sixth defenseman on your team. He'd be a third pairing guy, and he would be playing on. Uh, could you imagine Erica Branson? How big is he? Six four, six five. Okay, that's two fifteen, two seventeen. Yeah. He was first round pick, third overall, right hand shot. And what is his mantra? What does he do? He plays a physical defensive brand of hockey. Yeah. That's it. The grand he slam. Adds, he adds, he has insane toughness to the back end. So does Josh Manson. I'm past Josh Manson. He makes 4.1. I, I want, don't care. I want good 4.1. 
we have we're we're the lowest salary cap in the league right now. We have more money than any team in the National Hockey League. Wait till I give you the next guy. I didn't even realize I, I overlooked him completely. These guys are so important to the growth and upbringing of our young players. You need older players like a Gerbranson, like a Josh Manson. These guys are the ones that are going to solidify the youth of our back end. They're defensively responsible. They're very big and they're very aggressive. About Robert Bortuzzo. He's another one. He was uh, a St. Louis and Pittsburgh defenseman. He's Six, another four, one. Two twenty. Yes, he's he's another. Is he unrestricted? He is unrestricted. I mean, these guys are red lights glowing. We have all of the skill. Yoki Haru is a beautiful skating defenseman. He moves the puck very well. He is not physical at all. Rasmus Dahlin, we all know what he can do. Offensively, he is brilliant. He is absolutely brilliant. And as this team gets better, as this team um, starts to gel together, Rasmus Dahlin is going to take off like all of, our, all of the fan base has been waiting for. But he can't do it alone. He needs this team to mature. He needs to uh, allow this team to mature. And once it does, Rasmus Dahlin is going to be an absolute stud. Owen Power, 6'6", 220. He skates, he skates better than most of the defensemen in the National Hockey League at 20 years old at 6'6". But you need to put someone with that kid that is going to back him up in every sense of the word defensively just being a calming influence and that kid should be playing physical he should be playing nasty and that defense partner is going to be right behind him every step of the way here's my last one i'm going to give you he's a lefty but i don't know that it matters when i give you the name and his name is curtis mcdermott <clears throat> haven't we been haven't we been horny for that guy for the last couple of years? Yes, but I mean, with what with what we have have talked about already today, and what what I see in our in our top three left handed defensemen. Okay, you're looking at a um, uh, an Owen Power, Dylan Cousins, or an Owen Power, uh, Rasmus Dahlin, and and Matthias Samuelson. You're you're looking at a six foot three, a six foot six, and a six foot five defenseman on the left hand side. You're looking at Henry Yokiharu, who's a good good sized kid. He's six foot one. He's he's very solid. He moves the puck well. But you need two guys that are going to be big, solid. Physical. I got him. Like, imagine what, what what is, okay. So imagine you could go and insert Curtis, or not Curtis McDermott, uh, Eric Goodbranson and Robert Bortuzzo into this lineup right now. It changes the dynamic of not just your defense, but your entire. I guess my question, my question is this to you Josh Manson is a guy that has played in a top four position in Anaheim for many years. Eric Goodbranson is not a top four defenseman. 
He's a bottom uh, pair defenseman. He's a five, six. Okay. Bartuzzo is the same thing. He's never been a top four defenseman. He never will be a top four defenseman. He's a five, six. Josh Manson has been a top four defenseman for a very long time. So when you're looking at all three of those guys, they're all big. They're all physical. They all will stick up for their teammates. They're all defense. They're all defense first type guys. But Josh Manson to me is a guy that I think I would put a little bit above uh, the Gabranson and the Bartuzzo to be in that top four defenseman uh, situation. That being said, you know, I'd take any, any one of those three, any one of those three, we lack size and we lack aggression. I take nothing away from Mark Pizzik. He's solid. He's been solid. But when I watched last night, when our goaltender gets run, okay. Oh my God. Okay. And then all of a sudden there's a big shit show that's happening. And we've got guys that are just kind of like holding guys out and this and that. I mean, that's not happening with Gerbranson. He, he, he is going to go, he is going to, he's going to lose the circuits, the circuits, all the wires in the brain are going to disconnect and someone's going to get killed. Okay. Asik is That's too, what he's need. way too nice. He's way too, like, he's so nice. He should be a kindergarten teacher. Like he's a what very skilled I, hockey, but look, if Mark Pesek were to hear me say that, that he would say, fuck Andrew, you were like, you know what you were? Yeah. I, I know where I was in this league. And yeah, he, he's got way more skill than I do. I understand all that, but when you're getting when you're getting popped in the face by stiff stiff arm jabs and all you do is look down at the puck, it's a goddamn red flag. Okay, and, but listen, and this is like if this I is were a I'm visiting saying. coach, if I were a coach and I our next opponent were the Sabres, I would just show them these videos. I would show them Aaron Dell coming out and having the biggest fucking hit of the game, your goalie, and like literally no one, like I grant granted he got the penalty, but still like, Oh my God. And I don't want to hear, well, they were up. And they, remember we were talking last night when that happened, we were on the phone together and we yeah. see, we're sitting there and we're watching Pesic just getting like, you know, and his visors going up and down and he's fixing his fucking helmet before he's even like doing anything. And I'm just kind of like, Oh, it's such a telltale sign of, of how easy it is to play against this team right now. Like last night they played, you say they, they, they still didn't impress you. I was really impressed with their game last night. Okay. I was really impressed. Uh, Cause it was like night and day the team that we saw against Tampa and whatever the other game we watched them the time before that, that we were ripping on them all over Twitter, but San Jose. Um, but I just mean like, and, and, and that's a guy you'll never change. I mean, I like Mark Pesic as a person I've met him, you know, like whatever. I mean, he's a nice guy. He's a very skilled hockey player, but he doesn't make your team any better. And when he signed that deal, everyone's like, Oh, it's a great signing. The analytics are great on Pesic. I'm like, what the fuck? What do you mean? The analytics like RD you want analytics here? Here's analytics 10 ply. Okay. That's toilet paper and it's really soft. And that's how I would describe our defense core. 10 ply. And, and, and so I don't need analytics. I don't need, Oh, takeaways from the puck and all that shit and breakout passes and all he's his, his, his breakout pass percentage per five. I mean, fuck off with that shit. I, I understand analytics. Uh, I put some emphasis and stock into it, but my God, like the guys that we just mentioned, Bortuzzo, Manson, good Branson, even McDermott, 
Yeah, I don't need analytics on those guys. I know what they are. They're hard to play against. Show me that stat. That's not even yeah. showing up in the penalty minute box. I don't care about like, fights. You, like, 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 you know what's going to happen in years to come? Rasmus Dahlin is going to be on the ice for 25 minutes of the game. You know who's going to be on for the other 25 minutes? Owen Power. You know how much that leaves? At least 10 minutes for the third pair left, left-handed defenseman. Do you understand? We don't need, I don't care about the, the, the bottom two defensemen per se. I don't care about five and six, but I'm going to tell you, you know what I'm putting in the five and six? I'm putting in potatoes, meat and potatoes and gravy. And they are not going to be guys that you want to play against. They're not going to be, they're not going to be meatballs. They're not going to be guys that can't play in the league. They're going to be a certain type of player that will help your team succeed. Those two guys in the back end, that five and six on my team that I five, would six and let's throw number seven would, in there too. Would would make Rasmus Dahlin and Owen Power, those two guys in the back end, five and six, would be telling Owen Power and, and Dahlin, you guys do whatever you want to do. Because if anybody chirps you, we are over the boards and we are going to address it right away because you and the same goal for forwards, 10, 11, and 12, by the way. Yes. 10, 11, and 12. I, if someone even looks at, at, I don't care who it is, Alex Tuck, Jeff Skinner, Casey Middlestat, anybody looks at those guys, anybody starts chirping over the boards, boys. Let's settle things down. Go and chirp to their best players. They know how to do it, but we got not, we got nothing. We have none of that. We do not have an identity on this team. You have to have, we, I'm going to tell you right now, Jeff Skinner, uh, Casey Middlestat, Alex Tuck, Dylan Cousins, Paige Thompson, Peyton Krebs, Jack Quinn, Paterka. You don't think that we have skill coming? Yeah. Holy yeah. shit. It's coming right. boys. It's right. going to be very good. It's going to be high end, but let me tell you something. You know what else you need with that? You know what else you need with that? You need guys that play a different style, sandpaper. You need the penalty killers. You need the energy guys. You need guys that are just going to skate through the wall and hit everything in sight, and they're going to go in, and they're going to stop in front of the other team's goaltender, and they're going to push and shove, and they're going to chirp all their way to the bench. That's what you need to. You need to have that. That's part of the puzzle. Let me throw this last question at you here. Last, last game against Nashville. You don't, you don't sense any, there's no more optimism in your voice. Not obviously about this year in playoffs, but what you saw. I have an extreme optimism for this team. Like I said before, this team has played what? 36 games. I've tweeted out my disdain, my displeasure with what I've watched. What? twice this year is that uh, okay yeah earlier in the year too but then we laid earlier off. in the year but i haven't i haven't said anything for for a while i said something the other night saying this is absolutely not acceptable okay i'm a, i'm allowed to say that i'm a fan watching this game i played for the sabers but i have no ties with them i'm a fan watching this game i want to see this team do well I want to see the growth in this team because I want, I want to watch playoff games. That's what I want to watch because that is the best part of hockey. It's not the regular season. It's not the 82 games. 
the best is the playoffs. That's when it gets exciting. I'll end, I'll end on, uh, on a little text message I got from a friend today. I would call this person a friend. I don't call many a friend. I would call this person a friend. And the text said, it went a little something like this. Just giving you a heads up. You can throw this on your podcast. He said, fuck, you can even tweet it. I might. By this point, I probably already have. Expect major changes within the Sabres organization between now and the end of the year. That's all I said. You got to give me more than that. And he said, it's all I'm going to give you. And I don't know what that means. I don't know if that's a hiring of a president of hockey ops, uh, a hiring of, I, I don't, I don't know what else another hiring would be. Maybe a potential sale. Um, trades. I don't know that I would, that there's a trade right now that could be a major shakeup. I mean, major change. I mean, I, so I don't know if you want to dissect, I don't know if the scouting staff is a major change. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I don't, I, I mean, I don't see any reason for them to move on from Don Granado. I mean, I know I've been disappointed some days more recently with the team's preparation against some of the league's better teams, but I absolutely would not be moving on from Don Granato. No. And I'm going to tell you, I don't have any ties to the Sabres, so I can say whatever the hell I want. Don Granato is not the issue. This team is a long ways away. This team is their future is what's going to turn this around. And the future takes time to develop properly. And Kevin Adams and his coaching staff, they understand that they're there. They're trying to, they're trying to give these young men confidence. They're trying to teach them at the same time. They just do not have the skill right now to compete at the highest level. They don't. They need to allow their young players to continue to develop. In a short period of time, things will start to turn around. But this has nothing to do with Don Granato. I don't care. You can bring your number one coach in from, from anywhere. He is not going to coach this team any better than what Don Granato is doing right now. He knows what he has. He knows that he doesn't have an all-star team. He knows that he, he's going to have many, many, many headaches but he is going to try and continue to make these young men better. Keep, try and keep them accountable. And you know what? Over time, hopefully he can start to get some guys healthy. Number one, he can start to fill out his roster. Casey Middlestad, top player in the guy on the team is, is out. Well, the re, the, rea- the reality Craig is that, and this is the harsh reality, and this is more to the players than it is to anything else. The harsh reality of it is, you know, I think right now what Don Granado is trying to do is just teach and have them learn. And the harsh reality part of that is he really only needs six of these players to understand and follow through with what he's teaching because yeah. there's only five or six guys in this roster right now 
that are concrete staples going forward. So you can take your Bjorks, you can take your Olafsons, you can take your Haydens, you can take your Gergensen, who probably won't be here in a couple of years, who you you thought last night, and, and I like Zemgus. I, I'm a big yeah. fan of Zemgus, but I think I think on a really good team, I think you get out a valuable role. I think I really do. You um, know what, what I said to you last night? Yeah. I said to you, I wonder if Zemgus Gergensen will be traded. Because I'm going to tell you right now, a top-end hockey team that is trying to win the Stanley Cup, Zemgus Gergen is exactly what you want. He is exactly You pick up half his salary and you move him and you maybe get a second rounder, two second rounders for him. I don't know. You're not getting a first. But but the the fact of the matter is is that I think he adds value to a really good team. I think Zemgus Gergensen will help. This is the end of his second year, the two-year deal that he signed, right? He signed a three-year deal, Petey. Was it a three-year deal he signed? Yep, yep. 2.2 a year. Oh, I thought it was a two-year deal. Okay. Well, that might be tough to move, but I mean, like I said, if you pick up half his salary, you know, that'll, and you can do that because you have, it's only for one more year. It'll be this year, the rest of this year and the next year, and it would only be 1.1 because you can only carry up to 50%. I didn't, I I didn't realize it was a three-year deal. Um, so, I mean, he's not going to be here. So, I mean, you really only need, Don Granado really only needs, for the guys that are on the active roster, I think they're doing a great job. I love that Mike Peck is there in the minors. I love Seth Appert. Um, I think they're doing a great job with those guys in whoa, Rochester. Whoa, whoa, Mike Weber. Boom, for, well, I forgot rocket. about, I mean, I didn't forget about Webb, but I was just talking forwards for fuck's sakes. Would you, would you lay off? All right. But I mean, you get my point, right? It's like six guys on the Sabres roster that he needs to register with. And then the rest, you'll start to just kind of filter in because they're learning at the lower level right now, what's going to be expected of them at the higher level. Is that, is that a safe assessment? Yeah. You know, I, we were, we were watching the game together last night and I had said to you with the current team that is on the ice right now, how many players will be on this team? Not at the end of this year, but at the end of the next year, how many players would be would be on this team? Let's go through them. Just give me a yes or no, and then we'll sign off. Jeff Skinner. Well, that's a tough one. He will be. He will be by default because you can't move that by deal. default. But he should not be. Uh, Kyle Oposo. He's got two years left. He's got uh, he's got next year. That's it. Um, so he'll be here. Alex and I think Goposo's fine here. I think he's fine here. I think he's exactly what these young guys need. Yeah, but you know what? He he probably will not be back next year. No, next year he'll be back. Yeah, but yeah. I didn't say after. I didn't say after this year. I said after this year and then okay, the next okay. year, the two thousand twenty-two, twenty. You're right. Well, then, then I then we're in agreement on that. Uh, so Skinner uh, by default, Oposo no, Tuck yes, Olafson no, no, Eakin no, no, Gergensen's no, no, Bjork no, Hinnestroza no, Asplund no, Cousins. Yes. Jankowski. No. Hayden. No. Okay. So on forward, you, you, we said one by default, two, three, three. 
Okay, defense. Darlene. Yes. Miller. No. Butcher. No. Yoki Haru. Yes. Hag. No. Pesic. No. Bryson. No. Couple guys on the injured. Tage Thompson. Yes. Krebs. Yes. Uh, that's on the non-roster because of COVID. Uh, injured reserve. Um, Boychuk. No. Middlestad. Yes. Kajula. No. Okay. Not many is basically what you're saying. No. The Not team's going to be the team's going to be reconstructed because you know Casey Middlestad a year and a half from now is going to be what 25. You know, Tuck's going to be more mature. Um, Tage Thompson's going to be middle-aged. Uh, Dylan Cousins now going to be 22. He's going to really start to blossom as a player. You're going to have Krebs, Quinn, Paterka that will all be in the lineup. And then it's like, now you have to round out. I just named eight players that are in the lineup. Okay, the eight players, Skinner, Middlestat, Tuck, Cousins, Thompson, Quinn, Krebs, and Paterka. That's eight guys. But now you need to figure out what are the pieces that need to go to make this team round out, okay? And you need four pieces. You need a fourth line, and you need one other, probably a a bigger, faster, you know, more physical presence on, on, on left wing. Nick Ritchie. No, <laughs> fuck. But I, when I say when I say a bigger thing, I, I think of um, a Kreider for the for the Rangers. Oh yeah, I mean that's you know, a like, dream. I'm not that's I'm not asking I'm not asking for for a guy that is going to come in and play a Nick Ritchie style. I'm looking for a bigger, thicker, heavier body, a guy that can score goals. You might you're going to have to pay for him, but. I mean, it, it's it, that's the exciting part about uh, you know we ha- we have we have some first rounders. We 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 have we're going to be probably sellers at the deadline this year. You know what? What can Victor Olafson get you? Because right now, I don't see a future with him and how he plays the game. That's just my that's my opinion. He's super skilled, skates very well, sees the ice well, but he literally does not want to go to any danger areas whatsoever to score goals. He wants to stand on the outside. He wants to stand on the perimeter. Those are not guys that are going to win you hockey games. So in summary, happy for Dell after my tweet that I mentioned at the start of the show. Good for him. I wrote last night afterward, I quote tweeted my own tweet and said, suck on that. Cause uh, that was great for him. Uh, Tuck's return. Pretty good. After being off that long, Jeff Skinner, 500 point Darlene to the all-star game. You know, I mean, that, is that good for his confidence? It's good. I mean, well, it can't hurt listen, the confidence, although unless he, he feels like he doesn't really deserve it. But, I mean, I don't know why any player would want to go there with that. Um, when you're looking at, uh, you know, I just look at uh, uh, Rasmus Dahlin, you, you, you have to agree with what Don Granato says about this young man. This kid works his butt off. And he makes mistakes, just like everybody else in the NHL. But as a defenseman, when you make a mistake, it's glaring, okay? When a forward makes a mistake, 
it's being covered up by the defense. Okay. When a defenseman makes a mistake and I'm talking about a guy that's on the ice for minimum 25 minutes, every single game, you're going to make mistakes, especially when you're on a team that's not that strong, but I'm going to tell you, the kid sticks with his game. He knows what he does best. He's highly skilled. And you know what? And hopefully short time, this young man is going to be on a much stronger team, a team that's not in their defensive zone as much as they are. They're going to be more in the offensive zone. And this kid's going to absolutely blow it out of the water. So, you know, good on him. I hope that, you know, this is, uh, you know, just another, um, you know, notch where he's going to kind of climb the ladder. And, you know, I've seen a lot of great things. I've seen some things that I don't like in his game, but you know what? I mean, he's playing on such a bad team that I, I just don't know if it's just Darlene or if I don't, if it's the team that's so bad. And I just got to keep my opinions to myself right now because he has enough pressure on him right now to try and help this team win games because he is a huge, huge part of this team moving forward. Well, that'll wrap on the, on the Sabres discussion, although I will just add this. Speaking a huge part of the team, uh, Bills and Josh Allen, Patriots on the weekend. It's you know what this is great first home you feel game nervous? first home game in in uh, for first playoff home game and I think twenty five years I read maybe maybe more, yep. which is insane to think about him. I mean, what a turnover Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott have done with this team. I mean it, it and you know where it started. Culture yes. in the locker room. Culture. Culture. What they did they got do? Rid of all, they got they rid do? of all the dickheads. I mean, they got rid of all of them. Who's that? Who's that big defensive lineman that was like the, the Marcel Darius, third Marcel overall. Darius. Marcel Darius, complete jerk off, and they and they they just they gassed him. Get his attitude out of the room, and they went and took care of and clean slated all of the, the riffraff. And you know what? The funny thing is all the riffraff were the highest end players, all the guys making the most money and they just cleaned it. And they started from scratch. Didn't bring back EJ Manuel, got rid of Sammy Watkins, got rid of Marcel Darius and so on. And it's just, it's like, it just goes to show, I think within like a year or two of being a McDermott coming in here, I think they had two players leftover maybe three and i think two of them have already retired uh i mean two two or three players left over from the roster that they had when they took over i mean it just goes to show yeah. i mean like they had to they had to turn it over and and you know i i obviously i think that's what kevin adams is trying to do here i mean you know they talk they they preach culture they preach all that so i mean i it, wonder if kevin adams has, has had discussions hundred thousand percent. Are you yeah. kidding me? Like, okay. You know, and I think I look, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not here to harp on Jack. Jack had a negative attitude toward what was going on here in Buffalo. And, you know, they, they, they got a, a really good return. I wouldn't say grand slam return. They got a really with talking Krebs and then who knows what those other pieces will be. But, but I think they also alleviated themselves of a weight in the locker room um, of a guy that carried a lot of pressure and didn't really know how to handle it. And I think, you know, that that conversation had to have been had. I mean, look at the star players the Bills got rid of. They had to have had discussions. Yeah. Yeah. 
They had to have had discussions. Anyway, great chatting with you. Yeah, good talk today. It was hey. a great talk. Hey, what? go Bills. Yeah, the fans deserve it. I, and I'll say this. I'll say it again. We, we had this talk with Craig Button. I would love nothing more than to see, and I'm not even going to say, you know, Western New York because the Bills, you know, mafia, so to speak, I don't use that term often, but the Bills mafia, the Bills fan base is widespread as it is around the world because Buffalo fans travel all over. Um, I really, I haven't felt the pain, the pain that they have over the, the 20 plus years or whatever it's been for that they've struggled. Yeah. And, and more recently they've been successful. I want to see them win a Super Bowl. I want to see what happens. I want to see what this city does when, if, and when they win, I cannot, I cannot imagine what it would be like. We've never seen it. And it's something I would love to see in my lifetime, whether it's the Sabres cup or the Bills Super Bowl, whichever one comes first. And it looks like it could be a Super Bowl first based on the success of the team. But I, I love Buffalo fans and I know you do too, but I, I love yeah. Buffalo fans I love how passionate they are. And I just couldn't fucking imagine. I could not imagine what downtown would look like if there were a parade or wherever they would do a parade, yeah. because I I'm willing to bet there'll be a million people there. There's not even a million people in Buffalo, but I think surrounding area, you go down to Rochester, Syracuse. I think you'll have people come from all, all over the country world that parade world. But World. listen, not, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's just uh, dream. Let's focus on those uh, those pesty uh, uh, New England uh, Patriots. Yeah, um, and, and I'm not and, saying know, it listen, because it's what I'm I tell you in this my lifetime. I'm saying it because I want to see it for the for the for the fans, for the diehard fans. But what were you just about to say? I have I two. Off? I have two words. I hope those. I hope those. Uh, the coaching staff and those players they go out and they play, and they have no regrets at the end of the game regardless of what the score is just have no regrets at the end of the game so no those are the two words because you just put about 40 in a row there no regrets no regrets perfect perfect way to end outstanding after the whistle episode 34 and if you're listening to the end just know next week we got a monster we got a great interview with bobby ryan i'm so excited yeah. about it and we're going to put it out next week Keep an eye out for it. And this guy was absolutely spectacular. And I loved him before we talked to him, just from what I heard about him and his story. But after we talked to him, what a story too. I loved him so much more for how candid and open he was and how comfortable he was talking to us, which I really, really appreciated. Great stuff today, River. Enjoy the day. That's a wrap on another episode of After the Whistle. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, After the Whistle. And at Craig Reve 52 at the instigator 76. And you can find us as you already know on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube and anywhere else where you can get your podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to spread the word.